I'm Susan Branscombe, and this is Leading She. They told me to be myself. I knew what they meant by it. They were telling me that I was worthy and to be authentic. And if somebody who doesn't appreciate you, value you for who you are, then maybe move on. Jean Kane, CEO of Collier's Minneapolis-St. Paul, has worked for many years in the pressure-filled, male-dominated industry of commercial real estate. In order to create a company which better served its clients and employees, Jean spearheaded dismantling her private company and consolidating it into Collier's, a large public real estate company. She has faced many obstacles in her career and has learned what she's made of. Jean has found she has the strength, resiliency, and tenacity to get through anything. Change, she believes, which affects all industries, is something we must accept and be nimble and open-minded as we navigate it. Enjoy listening to Jean. I'm excited today to have Jean Kane with me. She's CEO of Collier's Minneapolis St. Paul office. Collier's is a large commercial real estate brokerage and services company. She actively leads the company's real estate services, including brokerage, real estate management, project management, architecture and engineering, and property services. So welcome, Jean. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's great to have you here. I've been, you know, researching your background. We've talked. I saw your bio and there are so many similarities to our backgrounds. You, you had the same reaction, right? I did. There yeah. are a lot of similarities. Yeah. The industry, the mm-hmm. dominance of males and right. um, yeah. our businesses. Yeah. And I interviewed Eva Stevens, who is the retired head of United Properties, which is a sister company to my company, Northmark. And she said, you've got to talk to Jean Kane. You know, so that's I kind of reached out to you from her recommendation. And I really appreciate you being here today. Right. There's a mutual respect with Eva. I think uh, she's been on the forefront of so much in real estate. Mm-hmm. And she's smart and personable and Lot to love about Eva. Yeah, 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 she's great. Um, and it kind of reminded me that, you know, even though I did not know you before now, you know, you I look at your background, I look at, I researched your history, we've talked, and it reminds me of kind of two athletes that, that get together that may not know each other, may have played different sports, like a Tiger Woods and a Michael Jordan. Let's say they didn't know each other and they got together and it's like, there's an automatic, I know what you've been through, kind of. I don't know everything. Right. I don't know the details, but I see your background. I see the awards you have and what you've done with selling the company, very similar to my situation. And I think it's kind of like, it's just like an automatic, you know, respect and like, I know what you've been through, man, kind of, you know, right. athlete, two athletes talking. Does that yeah. make sense? Kindred spirits, right? Yeah, right. kindred spirits. Yeah. Like, oh, I know Gene, you know, and yeah. you know me. And uh, there's just kind of a just a kinship there that I feel f- with you and then other women that I talk to in the podcast. Right. Yeah. So I understand it. Yeah. A yeah. um, couple of highlights on your career, and I'd like you to describe it. Um, you were president and COO of Welsh Commercial Real Estate Company in Minneapolis, St. Paul. Uh, you were with Welsh from 1987 to 2017, 30 years, until you and your partners decided to consolidate and recapitalize the company in 2017 with Collier's. Is that right? It's been a journey. So uh, we became a Collier's affiliate um, prior to 2017. Uh, The Welsh name was still part part 
had parts of our business in it, like Welsh construction and whatnot. But yes, in 2017, um, at that point, I had taken majority control of the, the business. And so it was a woman-owned business. Mm-hmm. And I had some um, minority investors that were looking for liquidity. And more importantly, or just as importantly, we were, I was looking for the next in our business evolution and giving given where the business was where the business was going felt that it was really important to be um, have a stronger connection to a global real estate partner our clients were changing um, our people were looking for a glo- more global platform to support our clients mm-hmm. along with the um resources that a global business would have mm-hmm. and we decided to sell to Collier's and there was a number of reasons that went into it um, but the primary re- reason was that I felt like it was a great cultural fit for our organization mm-hmm. and had the tools and resources and brand uh, that would take us to our next. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's great. And that's what I did in 2014 with Northmark. I had owned my company with partners and without partners. I was a woman-owned business that owned it all at the end, decided to take my chips off the table and (laughs) do what I do best. I think you'll relate to this. Do what I do best and let them do all the backroom stuff and then tap into the national exposure and national platform that Northmark has, and and in your case, Collier's has. And it seems to be the way in our in our industries that, you know, 30 years ago, when you had your boutique firm, those were the best firms. You know, it's like, okay, right. those people really know what they're doing, the small firm, uh, but it's changed a lot. Would you agree? It has changed a lot. And I don't think, you know, real estate's the only industry that's mm-hmm. been going this way. There's other industries as well, but um, there's absolutely a trend toward consolidation. And... Um, when I was contemplating the business um, model, I think there's still a role for a very small boutique firm. But, you know, we had about 300 people at the time, and that's a mid-sized company. You either need to be big or you need to be really small. Mm-hmm. And uh, really big seemed like the best decision for our customers and sure. our people. Yeah, so. you take, you know, you recapitalized. Uh, Collier's has the presence. You're, you're national. You've got some, you know, liquidity and then a presence. You can work with other offices. I'd like to know a little more about the Welsh uh, transition. Um, what uh, did you, was there a group that spun off from from the Welsh group? Yeah, so uh, the last uh, let's say 10, 12 years of my life has been uh, filled with lots of twists and turns. Yes. And um, the last recession we were going into was 2008. And I had two partners at the time and our business was different. And we had a real estate services side of the business, which we have today. And we also had a principal side of the business. We were developers, we bought real estate and uh, we were going into a recession in 2008. We yes. had no idea that it was going to be as deep and as long. Mm-hmm. But one thing we knew about going into recessionary periods, some, sometimes a really great time to buy real estate because values are dropping. And, uh, and if you have cash, you can execute on some really great transactions. And at the time, our, 
uh, I had two partners and we thought that the best, most efficient way for us to raise capital, we had um, talked to a, a number of advisors and they had advised us to go public. So uh, we worked on it for the course of a little over a year because it takes a long time to get a, a, a privately owned business. Mm-hmm. Through the um, SEC and all. <laughs> and yeah. um, what had happened is the market was not going public. Entities trying to go public just weren't happening. Greece was falling. The markets were collapsing. And uh, in 2010, when we were trying to get it across the goal line, we just couldn't. So we, um, we could have, but it would have been such a drop in value. It wouldn't have made mm-hmm. sense to do it. So we went to plan B because I'm a big believer in when you put, you know, dream big plan, but have plan A, B, and C because plan A rarely happens. Yes, uh, <laughs> that's true. We went to plan B, which was a private equity firm that is known for helping companies go public eventually. So mm-hmm. we partnered with a group uh, called Rothschild and they were subsequently mm-hmm. renamed to Almanac. And uh, they came in and became a partner uh, long-term we really still felt that there was an opportunity to take the uh, principal side of the business public, you know, where we own assets. So one of my partners and I basically uh, approached our board and made the recommendation to unbundle the company, separate the services side of the business, the brokerage, property management, architecture, construction, Mm -hmm. project management from the principal side of the business that owned assets. Yes. Um, predominantly industrial. And mm-hmm. so we separated the two businesses. I took all my ownership and went on the services side. Um, one of my partners took all of his interest and went on the other side. And then there was one partner, the founding partner, Dennis Doyle, who split his assets. So mm-hmm. um, the principal side of the business at uh, eventually went public on the Canadian Stock Exchange. It's mm. WPT Industrial REIT. Okay. And um, our business, uh, the business I ran, was looking for its next. Mm -hmm. And the steps were to grow the business, become a a woman-owned business. I thought it would provide us with opportunities, grow the business Mm -hmm. to provide us with different kinds of capital structure partners. And uh, as I weighed the course of our opportunities, Collier seemed like the best opportunity. So eventually Mm -hmm. we sold to Collier's. Uh, in 2017. I'll tell you this, though, uh, along the way, when we split off, this company that had been around for 30 years was all of a sudden looked at as a brand new company because it had spun off from the the original company. Mm -hmm. And I had to put a considerable amount of capital into the business. It's one of those things when you were just talking about taking all the chips off the table, it was talking to my husband and say, honey, will you support me? (laughs) We put all the chips on the table and it um, eventually worked out for the best for us. Yeah, good. Yeah, yeah I uh, were you a WBE women-owned business designation? Yes, I was. Yeah, I was I too. Was. I was too. Did you find benefit with that? Did you find customers would come to you because of it? We still had to win the business because we were the right choice. Yes, and I, I support that. I, I would never want to win a business because I was a woman-owned business or a minority business. Yeah, me too. I want to win the business because we're the right choice. Mm-hmm. But clearly, there were opportunities when there, you're getting points on the the matrix that being yeah. a WBE helped. Mm-hmm. It didn't help as much as I thought it would. 
I don't yeah, know. Yeah, me too. Fine. I yeah. did not find that it did. I kept marketing it to people uh, because, you know, my customers would get points with like a GE or a Procter & Gamble, uh, you know, right. when they were bidding on things. I was trying to promote that with them, but it just seemed to get lost, you know, and I don't know that I can say I had a benefit of it, but I did market it a lot. I didn't have a benefit from a business perspective, but what I did benefit from was attending a lot of WBE and minority-owned business events, mm -hmm. and I uh, had the opportunity to meet a lot of women-owned business and minority-owned business owners, which I thought was interesting. It's just, it's always yeah. interesting to hear people's stories and journeys and get to sure. know them. Yeah. So on uh, the Welsh uh, change and, and the year that you you split out and change partnerships within the different areas of Welsh. What year was that? 2015. 2015. So you had positioned the company. You have the REIT going, the, you know, Canadian WPT. You've got the services area, which you have. And then in 2017 is the year that you, um, uh, that you consolidated with Collier's. Yes. Okay. Um, so one of the questions I had for you when I looked at this, and I know the twists and turns because I've been through a few of those twists <laughs> and turns, uh, is what did you, well, first question is, what did you learn that you didn't know before as you went through this, either about the people or just what you're made of or what, what did you learn in this? I learned a lot about what I'm, I'm made of because up until this point, I had worked hard in my career to get where I was. You know, I've never gotten there alone. I've had partners and, and advisors, but I've worked really hard to get where I was. But never had I been in a situation where I had so much of our family's personal net worth, the mm -hmm. livelihood of so many people who worked for our company, mm -hmm. depending on me to make this happen. Mm -hmm. Um, it's a lot of pressure. I, it's a lot of pressure. I had no idea how hard it would be to get bank debt because mm. I thought this business had been around for three decades, but every bank thought it was a brand new mm -hmm. business. I and went through I that. Was a, I mm -hmm. was a brand new CEO, even though I had been president of the other company. Mm -hmm. I wasn't unknown. To, so to, simple things like getting bank debt was extremely difficult. And mm. so it's just everything that I thought should be easy wasn't easy. So when, mm -hmm. what I learned about myself was that there's a lot more resilience, yes, <laughs> strength, um, tenacity than I ever, ever could have managed. Yeah. Managed, right? yeah, I remember that too. I just felt like I had the pressure of making sure that I made enough money that even during the downturn that we we continue to pay salaries even if I had to take a cut, you know, and my personal wealth, right. my husband's right. wealth was at stake, right. you know. And there's a lot yes. of risk that, that there's a that tremendous we take. amount of risk. Yeah. There's a tremendous amount of risk. Mm -hmm. Yeah. People think it's always great being the CEO, being an entrepreneur, but there's a and it is. I really enjoy yeah, that me role. Too. But there is a lot of risk that goes. A lot of risk, a lot of pressure and uh, sleepless nights, I remember. Mm-hmm. Uh, talk about your background, where you grew up, uh, your parents, siblings. Yeah, so uh, I grew up in a small rural community in southern Minnesota. I'm the youngest child. I have th three big brothers, 
and uh, my my father was a small businessman and my mother was a at-home mother and uh, a great great beginning a loving family that Mm -hmm. put a high priority on education Mm -hmm. what did your dad do uh, my dad had a coca-cola franchise okay so uh we drank a lot of soda Ah. (laughs) yeah yeah, my, my uh, company is owned by the Polads, as you know, and the Polads are big Pepsi people. Right. Pepsi. <laughs> so when we get together at conferences, there's never Diet Coke out there. There's always no. Pepsi. <laughs> the Polads are a great family. Yes, I know. I'm aware. I am just uh, love the family, love the company. Um, tell me about your uh, brother, Mark, 12 years older than you, and he's been inspirational to you, and I think you he credit has. him. Tell me about right. that. So I have my brother Mark is 12 years older than me and he's the oldest in the family and he has always been and continues to be uh, a trusted advisor. I said earlier to you, you never get here alone and and clearly Mark has been one of those people who's been with me since the very beginning when I was a young child. Uh, He was encouraging me to dream bigger than the opportunities that I could see in a small town in southern Minnesota Mm -hmm. and not only dream big, but plan, gene, and execute. And Mm -hmm. uh, all along the way, he's been there uh, supporting me, advising me. He's very smart and he's strategic, humble, and he cares. And he continues to be there for me today when Mm -hmm. I'm facing business decisions. Right. Don't make one without them. Right. Family member, confidential uh, ear and uh, right. advisor. So, I mean, we need those people as we have things that come up that we feel that we can trust them to talk and respect their opinions, right? Absolutely. Right? That's, right. You never do this alone. Right. And what does he do? Uh, by education, he's, in, he's retired now. He was an attorney for a long time, okay. practicing attorney. He was a CEO of a business for a a number of years, and mm-hmm. then he went back into private practice. Mm-hmm. So he's got a lot of business experience and yeah. real estate acumen. And actually, he was the one who uh, first exposed me to a, a career in real estate when I was in college. He introduced me to somebody who gave me an internship, a real estate, small real, real estate developer in mm-hmm. the Twin Cities. And what I loved about real estate from the beginning, and I still love about real estate, is I could see the connection of real estate being more than just buildings. It's about play, a place. It's about a place where people live, work, play, and um, the ability to have an impact on a community, the ability to have impacts on people and businesses is what I still love today. Yeah, me too. I, yeah. I love it. I mean, I still, even on vacation or if I'm out driving around, <laughs> you too, probably. It's like, wait a minute. They're building something new here or somebody lost a tenant or something. I never stop looking at it. And it's in my blood, right? Yeah. Underutilized asset. What should this be, right? Right. I start calling people. Have you seen this property on Coleraine? You know, it needs needs some help. But uh, that's that's a great uh, story about your brother. And then your parents uh, uh, dropped you off at college and gave you some advice. What was that? They've given me lots of advice, but... you know, one of the best pieces of advice that I still hold dear today is when they were dropping me off is they told me to be myself. And I, I, know, I knew what they meant by it. They were telling me that I was worthy and to be authentic. And if somebody who doesn't appreciate you, value you for who you are, 
then maybe move on, right? Yes, and right. and Susan, I know you know this too. I mean, being in in real estate and being a woman in a male dominated real estate industry, we haven't always been valued for our opinions, who we are, the fact that we're you know a little bit not a little bit a lot different than the next and i was recently doing some reading and there's this new author out she's a younger woman an african-american woman and her name is Tanae edwards and she calls herself a word artist and an author mm -hmm. but she wrote something that really resonated with me it's you must find the courage to leave the table if respect is no longer being served. Yes. And there's been times in my life when it's just like, you know, this isn't even worth it to me to try to pursue this or get to know these people because it's clearly they don't respect my opinion, mm -hmm. respect who I am, right. and just move on. Just yeah. move on, Just right? move on. And I haven't always learned that. Uh, right away. I don't know about you, right. but I kind of keep no. coming back and trying it like, well, maybe I'm just not saying it the right way, or maybe I'm just not working hard enough. And it's just somebody that doesn't respect your time, doesn't right. consider you worthy like your parents have instilled in you. And right. you just have to know, know when to hold them, know when to fold them as, right. uh, the, in playing cards. So yeah. yeah, really know when to walk away, right? Right. And it, sadly, it still happens today. Yes, it does. But I just don't let it get hung up on it anymore, right? No, you can't. You just, you know how valuable you are. You know how hard you work. And I yeah. just decided that the people that deserve that of me are the ones I will continue working with. I'm not going to chase people that don't want to be caught. Right. Exactly. Right. Yep. We talk about uh, an important topic that I know you've talked about and in our industry uh we talk about we talk about change and uh, our industry i'm sure not unlike other industries change is always happening and that kind of thing i mean but our industry can change sometimes on a dime you know interest rates go up like 50 basis points or 100 basis points in a day or two days and that affects our business in a big way and we have found that we have to be adaptable we have to be malleable and so you and i've been through it we've seen all these changes you know 9 11 right. 2001 the covid pandemic which is going on now and talk about change and how you see it and how you how you view it how I view it, it's yeah. change. It's it, it, it's a small word, word, but it really instills a lot of different emotions in different people. Some people are afraid of change. Some people are excited about change. Some people see opportunities. Um, when I think about change, I feel a lot of different emotions and all of those different emotions. And to your point, real estate is rapidly changing. And some of the trends that were starting to happen have been accelerated because of the pandemic like remote working, working mm -hmm. from home is a, is a, a trend that was happening is now has been accelerated. But the reality is every business, every person needs to continue to change and evolve. And um, I, I, there's a great experience I had a, a few years ago, my brother Mark mm -hmm. and his family and our, my family, we rented a private uh, catamaran in the Galapagos Islands. And as you know, the Galapagos are 
famed for Darwin studies yes. on or endemic species. <laughs> and one morning I got up early because Susan, like you, I get up really early yes. in the morning and I was the only one awake and I was on top of the catamaran with a cup of coffee and thinking about Darwin and endemic species and the uh, uh, evolution and, you know, Darwin's theory that it's not the strongest of the species that survive or the most intelligent. It's the one most adaptive to change. And when you're adapting to change, that's not only changing moving forward, it's sometimes getting rid of things that don't matter anymore, right? Mm -hmm. And so as I was thinking, I was like, wow, there's a huge correlation between real estate and evolution. And me as an individual on evolution, we got to continue to keep evolving and changing if you want to continue to be relevant in the world today. Mm -hmm. So that was part of the business model change to sell to Colliers. Did I love being privately held? Absolutely. Yep. But did I think it was the right thing for the business, the right thing for the customer to sell? Yes. Uh, do I do things the same way today as a, as a business leader that I did 10 years ago? No, I've had to adapt and change. That's and right. uh, it's an important part of being relevant in the future. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I uh, often cite a book that I read, and I think it was 1998 when I formed my business with partners, and it's Who Moved My Cheese? You know, yes. and it's a parable, a story about a mouse who finds the cheese pretty quickly, but the humans don't find it quickly because they're always looking for, well, it's still the same, isn't it? Let's just go back and look over here. Let's just go back and look over here. You know, and change, it's its like there's a lot right now that's really, it's not clear. There's a lot of uncertainty, and we can't really predict what's going to happen with retail. We can't really, you can try what's going to happen to retail, right. office, in our industries. But, but to try to really, you know, see where, like Wayne Gretzky says, I play where the puck is going puck. to be. Right? right. And you're from hockey territory. So you, you guys have <laughs> s said that before, right. I'm sure. But, you know, and big companies have made this mistake uh, where they the ego gets in the way. We're big. We know, you know, and little companies kind of come in and say, no, you don't. You know, let me show you what's changed. Right. They're a little bit more nimble. Right. They're a little yeah. bit more entrepreneurial. Yeah. And um, yeah, when things are changing so fast, I do think you have to be open. You have to be curious. You mm -hmm. have to be. Um, Open-minded, don't you think? Mm -hmm. Right. You can't absolutely. say, well, we've always done it this way. You know, you right. have to be open to it, right? And all of us who have been r running businesses through this pandemic, we've had to do a pivot. We've had to do a shift because the business model could not, or most of our business models could not operate the way it was happening prior to March 12th before a lot of us got, you know, closed down right. here at least yeah. in Minnesota. So yeah. Yeah, we used to say in my company, we make a decision at breakfast and implement it by lunch. You know, we were that nimble. Like, we could do right. that. We could yep. do that. And you can't do it at a Collier's or a North You can't market. do you No, you're not quite as nimble. So, right. right. So, when you talk about corporate culture, clearly, we are owned by a global publicly traded firm. And you're not as nimble as you are when you're, a, you know, a privately held business. But um, of the firms that are out there in the brokerage and real estate management space, I do believe we are the more entrepreneurial, enterprising mm -hmm. of our, yeah. our peers. I and agree that's with that. something, mm -hmm. yeah, it's something that we yeah. um, 
Starts with Jay Hennick, chairman. So okay, good. Um, I know you have children. You have a son, and then you have twin daughters. Tell me about <laughs> them. I believe they're grown now, or you know, adults. Yeah. And uh, you know, I think it's important to give the message to young women with children that have careers. You know, kind of talk about what we went through. That it's not they're not alone. You know, would you you want to talk oh, about that? Absolutely. <laughs> so when I was talking about all the twists and turns that happened in my business world, the business world, I I failed to talk about the twists and turns that were going on in our life. And and my husband and I, we have three children. We have a son, and he was three years old when our twin daughters came along. Mm -hmm. And. Uh, you know, that, that's a lot when you're raising three kids under three. And my husband, uh, his career was going well, and he was traveling internationally a lot at the, at the time. And uh, it was a lot to juggle raising mm -hmm. three kids. And at one point, Susan, I gave myself permission because to say, I don't have to climb the corporate ladder right now. You know, I'd be coming home from work, and it was this hour that I called the arsenic hour. The kids are home from daycare. They're tired. They're hungry. I'm tired and hungry. I just want to go to the couch and just like yep. chill. But you can't, right? You, you can't. can't. You got to keep three, moving. And they there's three little yeah, kids that they expect need to things be, from you. Yeah, they need they taken care of. Yeah, and, you know, sometimes I'd have to go in the bathroom and compose myself because it's just like, I can't have this TV crying or stressed, yeah. right? So I gave myself permission early in my career just to say, you know, take a break, work four days a week, stay relevant, stay, you know, connected in the community. And I did that for a few years. And that really helped get through that zero to four with the twins. Yeah. And, um, and uh, I'm proud to say, even when I was going through all those twists and turns with the business and trying to go public and selling to colliers, we we're also being parents because yes. we and raising our children mm -hmm. and helping them, you know, select colleges and launch into their careers. And so now we have three healthy, well-adjusted adults and one's in healthcare technology, both son and my daughter's in advertising and business development. And then I have one daughter who's pursuing her MBA in real estate. Yes, I'd like to talk to you about her a little bit later. <laughs> Yeah, so she was my technical support this morning because she's doing her internship from remotely. Right. So, uh, yeah. But uh, yeah, so that's great. Uh, I see the young women that are on the career path. They're having two and three kids. Uh, I had two. You had three, and those were tough years. My husband and I look at each other now, and our kids are now thirty-three and twenty-eight, and they're healthy adults and and functioning and happy. Right. And, but uh, there were times where we were both really focused on careers, sometimes him more than me, sometimes me more than right. him. But there was one night I'll never forget where my uh, husband was in the basement with my son and he was, my husband was working on something and my son was playing with the exercise bike and he got his finger stuck in the chain of the oh, exercise no. bike. <laughs> I'm making dinner, doing homework with my daughter. So it's like, you know, I've had a long day. I'm making dinner, doing, you know, doing that. He's down there. And all of a sudden, Brian starts screaming and blood squirting out of his, you know, finger. So we're headed to the hospital. He wouldn't let us look at it. So turns out he didn't lose a finger or anything. He had just like a little tip of it that had been cut. But I mean, that's that's what you go through as a parent, right? You right. wake up in the night with them. They're throwing up or they've got this or that. And, and and you think you're the only one going through it. I think that's sometimes what I thought, that I was the only right. one. And, and you're not. 
you don't talk about it maybe the next day, right? You're, you're not, but you're not the only ones going through it. And I think about, um, so the change we're going through right now in the pandemic and all the parents right now, those single parents or those dual income parents that are having to educate their children right now because their schools aren't safe places for their children to go or the school districts have shut down. I, I, you know, how are they doing it, right? They're mm-hmm. going to figure out a way to get it done. They're going to figure out a way to make sure their kids do their online learning and get their job done. But uh, they too will get through it. You will get through it. You just have to have a plan and work right. it. And then and go to nimble. sleep, get up the next day, <laughs> and it will be a better day. Often it is. You just have to yeah. say that was not a good day, but tomorrow. <laughs> and then you had a very supportive spouse. I did too. You can't do it without a, sport, a supportive spouse, right. I don't think. No. So my, Tom, my husband, we've been together for th- married 32 years. And absolutely, he's a partner, a friend. I can't imagine this world without him. And mm-hmm. he's been also a, a tremendous supporter. He has a successful career. And like you said, sometimes we're just figuring out ebbs and flows, who is doing what and mm-hmm. managing calendars. But along the way, he's been one of my biggest supporters. And for example, when I wanted to put all the chips on the table with the business, he supported it. Yep. As long as we had, you know, the kids education funded and yeah. taken care of because he's finance guy. And uh, also just being the supporter sometimes when I didn't believe in myself, like when I'm going through those really tough times, I didn't believe in myself and Gene, you can do this. And, or I think one meeting in particular, I was going to in Washington, DC, I was serving on a board and it was a board with a lot of really wealthy, powerful Mm. individual name brands you would know. And I was going to a meeting and I was, I was very nervous. And he propped me up and said, Gene, you have to go. Your voice is important. You represent the voice of a small woman-owned business in the Midwest, and that voice is important. Mm. And wow, I was like, right, okay, I'm going. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like some ammo you have to go into that right. room and not be intimidated and know you belong there, right? Right, and, and not be intimidated and know that you're there to represent just not yourself, but that voice of other people. Mm-hmm. Right? Other women. Other women, other underrepresented people, people mm-hmm. that don't necessarily fit in, right? Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. Talk talk to me about that. Have you had, I'm, I know you've had stories. I've had experiences. You know, I think the, like your daughter, if she or her friends are listening to this, right. you know, what would you say to young women uh, when you're the only woman in the room or the only woman partner or or you have a customer that would really rather work with a man or something, what what would you say to the women that are in this industry? Well, know? I can tell you what I did say to Carolyn, because Carolyn, before she went to MBA school, she worked in real estate finance mm-hmm. and very male-dominated. And Where'd she, she called work? me what. Uh, she worked for Red Capital, who's owned by Oryx. Oh, yeah, in Columbus. Out of yeah. Columbus. Yeah. yeah, out of Columbus. Great experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she came out of one of her first meetings, and she called me that night. And I happened to be in Chicago at a business meeting, and I just returned from dinner. And she said, Mom, I was at this meeting, and there were 24 men and me. <laughs> and yeah. I was the only woman. And I said, well, Carolyn, I was just at a dinner and there were 13 men and me. And 
we just you just need to do it. And I've always believed that if you're a woman and you do a good job, people will remember. Mm-hmm. And they'll remember if you don't do a good job right. too. But they will. Um, your voice is important. You mm-hmm. were invited to the table. You were invited to that meeting, and your voice is important. So. Right. Yeah. Any advice on how to conduct yourself any differently? I guess not any differently than the men, but, you know, how do you make sure that people are listening to you, that the eye contact is made? How do you develop respect in that group? I mean, what are you saying to Carolyn? I'll say it to anyone, a man or a woman, Mm -hmm. but predominantly to women, it's be yourself, be authentic, Mm -hmm. be who because if you're trying to be somebody you're not, it will it will come across. So yeah. being authentic is important. Be prepared. Know your stuff. Yeah. So if you if you're going into that meeting, over prepare. Yeah. Um, That's really think, good advice. I think listening is a really important skill set. So when you're in the meetings, listen mm-hmm. and respond to information that you know you know you you can be accurate on. Mm-hmm. It's your opinion. Give it. So that's great. But you should read the room. You, you can when you walk into a room. There's decision makers. You know who's calling a shot. You know who's leading. Mm-hmm. Try yeah, to position trust yourself. your instincts. And that's I think great. women have. I know that I'd have this. I would imagine you do. Sort of an emotional intelligence, a, an instinct to feel when you come into a room what the energy is. Right. Right. You, you yeah. do. Yeah. That emotional intelligence is really important. Yeah. Reading a room. Yeah people. That's great. Well, I wish your daughter luck. It's kind of sad to yeah. think that she's in a big room when she's the only woman still. I mean, that sounds like 1985. <laughs> well, I, I felt that way too. It's it's like, oh my gosh, it's 35 years and that was the situation. Mm-hmm. Um, but now she's in a summer internship program and she has, uh, with a firm based out of Chicago, it's remote because of pandemic, but she has two really phenomenal female mentors of the people mm. she's working with. That's great. Uh, so it is great. And mm-hmm. they're in uh, acquisitions of real estate. So that's typically a male dominated mm-hmm. industry. So she's got ma- male mentors too, but I'm just so excited that she has two really strong female mentors. Yeah. Well, tell her about leading she, will you? I will. <laughs> I am my, telling you. Yeah, yeah. She's my target audience. <laughs> yep. Well, one more question for you, and we'll wrap up. Um, you've had some twists and turns. You're at a good spot in your life, it sounds like. What's next for you? I think a lot about that. You know, I, I'm always thinking about evolving and growing, and what's my next, and, and where do I really want? It, it has to be something that makes an impact, right? So you take your skills of being a business leader, uh, well-respected in the industry uh, throughout the U.S., in the community. Uh, Diversity and inclusion is really important to me and what's been going on with um, social inequalities. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, you're right in the middle of it there in Right in the middle of it. You know, we had that... tragic murder of George Floyd. Mm. And it's so I I think about this pandemic and the inequalities have just been exaggerated, right? So Mm -hmm. the white class um, working adults, we've been able to work remote. A a lot of the um, people who are, have have less Mm -hmm. 
have been sidelined, um, mm-hmm. laid awesome. off because mm-hmm. it's a services business. Mm-hmm. So I think one of the trends that has been accelerated because of the pandemic is the divide. Mm. So when you're asking me what's my next, I know part of my next entails continuing to help out people who just don't fit the mold. There, there's this great, and I'm going to um, quote Michelle Obama, mm-hmm. kind of, sort of, but when she was at the one of the Democratic conventions, she talked about when you've worked really hard and you've finally reached that opportunity and you've walked through that door yeah. of opportunity, don't slam it shut. Reach back and pull others through with you. Mm-hmm. So first, just getting to that opportunity is really important, but helping others make it is right. really important. And mm-hmm. I just love that quote because you know that's what you're doing with this podcast, right? You're mm-hmm. reaching back and you're targeting mm-hmm. women who are coming up in their career and saying, you're not alone. There's a lot of us who've been through this and you can do this. And there's a yes. lot of women out there who want to help you reach out, right? Yeah. And I think any one of these women who've been on your podcast, if somebody sent us an email or reached out, we'd be happy to talk. We we do. We do. And we don't have the time for it, but I do it anyway. You know, I've done yeah. it for years. Right. And it's hard to find time to support other women, but but you have to do it. If that means right. getting up early or staying longer, like I'm going to send her a text, let her know that I'll meet her for coffee or whatever it is. Bring right. them, bring d- them up. And driving more diversity into our industry is super important, too. You mm-hmm. know, it's... Um, you know, sadly, that's it's still a still a lot of white, white male dominated, male dominated. Indus- not industry. a lot of uh, people of color, not still right. not a lot of women. But there were times, I'm sure, like you, of where of the same, um, generally the same age. You know, you could right. walk in a room and be the only woman uh, in a crowd of oh, 100 absolutely. or 200 men. You know, white when guys I was young, in navy blue, white yeah. guys in navy blue suits. Right? I was young and I was a woman. You know, and coming right. in, and I just was. I was an outsider. I, you know, had to kind of find my way in, and you did that too I, with the networking. I did that you too. did, yeah, yeah. So. Well, good. Well, thanks for joining me. Congratulations on a really successful career. I admire you. I know what you've been through, and yeah. you as well. And I love this passion project. Yeah, I know it's <laughs> been fun, and uh, thanks for being a part of it. All right. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Leading She. Please check out many other Leading She episodes, which are wonderful. We discuss challenges these accomplished women have overcome in their careers. Please subscribe to this podcast and rate it and review it. Follow Leading She on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. And visit our website, leadingshe.com, where we have ideas and wisdom for women leaders.